Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Good Soil Podcast, where the Word of God meets ears, minds, and hearts, and by His grace grows a great harvest. I'm Aaron Fezenmeyer, pastor of York Evangelical Free Church, right here at the crossroads of the Midwest, York, Nebraska. And I am so grateful you've joined me today. The Apostle Paul delivered a mind-blowing proclamation of the gospel and its power for salvation to everyone who believes in the letter to the Romans, which we studied last time. And we're going to continue in the epistles today with Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And we also covered last time who the apostle was, so I'm going to try to be brief here. But to bring um, those of you just joining us up to speed, Paul was a Jewish Pharisee who was rescued by God and commissioned by him to be an apostle, that is, one who has seen the risen Christ and was empowered to establish the early fledgling church through authoritative teaching and mighty works. And it originally means one who is sent. And Paul was specifically sent to the Gentiles. And in the first letter to the Corinthians, he is writing to one of those Gentile churches that he helped plant. And as you read the letter, we should follow Paul's approach to the people to whom he's writing. We should first, as he does, praise God that he planted a church in Corinth. If you know anything about the ancient city of Corinth, it was a city chock full of idolatry and immorality. The Romans had a pantheon of gods and goddesses, and many of them had temples and shrines set up all over Corinth. And those gods and goddesses played into every part of the culture, business, social life, family life. And frankly, it's not pretty. But, praise God, God had a plan for bringing people to himself through the gospel, even in a place like Corinth. In every age and at every stage, Jesus' church has to wrestle with growing in holiness and applying the gospel to their personal lives and life in the local church. And in Corinth, it was no different. So Paul begins by praising God for the good things going on and what he's already done in the Corinthian church. He then addresses a wide variety of issues where the church needs some instruction, they need some help. But overarching all these issues, and this is really where Paul wants us to focus and view everything that he presents in 1 Corinthians, Paul is calling for unity in this church. And two verses right at the front of the letter highlight this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 9. Verse 2 being saying this, They are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And then verse 9, where he says, By whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul wrote this letter to emphasize the need for the believers of Corinth to be together in the gospel. And from this, Paul addresses several areas of personal and church life that we should learn from as well. I'll only cover a few kind of overarching areas. First, he contrasts spiritual pride versus spiritual humility. Paul reminds them that the gospel they believe is considered foolishness. It's the foolishness of the cross. 
And because they believe that, they shouldn't be arrogant about their state because Paul calls them out and he says, you guys are spiritual infants. And one of the reasons they're spiritual infants is because, as he goes on later in the letter, specifically chapter 5, they're arrogant about sin in their midst. And there are problems in their church family worthy not of admiration or commendation, but shame. And Paul does this, and I want to make this very clear, he doesn't do this merely to scold them, but his aim, again, unity, to bring people together in Jesus. He wants to reorient them to a spirit of humility by reaffirming that though the cross is foolishness, God's wisdom is greater than all human wisdom. And he reminds them that he himself worked in gospel power in their midst. He didn't work on on his own. Then he goes on to remind them that they are the Lord's temple, individually and corporately. And that those in the church in this pursuit of unity who are weaker, you can check it out what Paul means by weaker, brother, they're not to be destroyed by those who are, quote, stronger, but lifted up. And that underneath all of this, in pursuing humility rather than spiritual arrogance, love and glorifying God are to be the prime motivations for their lives, based in the hope of the resurrection with Christ. And in the church today, this spiritual arrogance can easily rear its head again. And Paul's reorienting the church around Christ and him crucified He wants us to be mature in humility by the power of God. Secondly, one of those areas Paul focuses on from a position of humility and love, he has a lot to say about spiritual gifts, particularly from whom they come and how they are to be used. The Corinthians have been given gifts by God's grace, and they need some correction to their perceived use, and and he highlights the wonderful gift of God by giving gifts by his Holy Spirit for the purpose of building up the body of Christ into a harmonious community, a body working together. And you can see all that in especially chapters 12 through 14. And this can certainly serve for encouraging the development, the use, and the delight of the gifts that God has given us in our current day, in our current local churches, that we would have a vision for the spiritual vitality that Paul does for the church. Thirdly, Paul wants to remind the Corinthians, and he wants to remind us that right now is not all there is. We have a spiritual end game. And if we focus on that spiritual end game, which is an historical reality, we are far less likely to abuse the spiritual gifts and far less likely to do things out of spiritual pride and instead work for humility, work for unity that builds up. So in this letter to the Corinthians, Paul corrects the church for believing that the resurrection did not historically happen while simultaneously holding that they can still have a living faith. 
So he hones, he hones in, the resurrection indeed has happened. And the Corinthians were to have that hope as a solid footing for being steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord their labor is not in vain. Because our mission is no different from theirs, we ought to continue proclaiming the truth of the gospel, trusting it to transform us, our hearers, and serve as that solid foundation for continuing in the work, just like Paul exhorted them. As always, there is more I could say from this very practical letter in the New Testament. Paul is after unity in the church, and we should be about that as well. Not necessarily uniformity, but unity. And he shows us how we can pursue that in pursuing Jesus and all that is promised for us in him. So as we start this book together, let me pray for us as we receive God's word in the first letter to the Corinthians. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts by your Holy Spirit, who gives us the gifts we have to build up your church. Help us in all things to walk in unity and love by your grace, growing in understanding as we read together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Soil Podcast. I'm enjoying reading the Bible with you. Let me encourage you to keep reading. His voice is worth hearing. Until I talk with you next, may God reap a great harvest in our midst as his word grows in good soil.